What's up, everybody? This is Jordan Boyce from Awakening. My name is Wanson Santana. And uh, we are hanging out here. Wanson's the creative director joining me on this podcast. Very special podcast. This is exciting. It's the end of the year podcast. I, 2016 flew by. You know, we just launched this podcast, and I think we've got like uh, six or seven episodes up, but I'm hearing people are listening to it. Uh, a lot of buzz off the Chad Veach one, talking about small groups. If you haven't listened to that, make sure you go listen to that. That was a good one. There's a great interview too, right, with uh, talking about how we do small groups here at Awakening. Yeah, that was a great interview. You, you actually... Were the interviewer on interviewer that one. Yeah. on that one? That's why it's such a great interview. That's the right. questions you asked were just that's right. They were so good. I think there's some people out there who are going to be blessed by that. <laughs> it's the end of the year. It's the end of the year, and uh, we hope that you guys had a good year uh, from everybody. I got uh, got a little little something with me. You can't see, but he's got a, a green lightsaber, and it's not like the entry level one that you get for seven dollars or the mid level one you get for fifty dollars. It's the one hundred and twenty dollar. Real deal lightsaber. This is, it was a gift. It was right, a gift. Off, it was a before gift. Before people think I'm <laughs> spending crazy money on lightsabers. I just made you sound so now, bad. Now, I'm not going to lie. I have gone on these websites where they make custom lightsabers. Well, some wow. of them are like $1,600. Bucks. Wow. And they're unbelievable. They like go like, they like, they like go mine like like rare minerals to make the lightsaber make stuff. Make a career out of that. And I'm not kidding. I've done the math to see what? if my wife would let me get them like the low end $400 lightsabers. <laughs> they come in like a wooden box, like oh dual lightsabers. Goodness. It's pretty crazy. That's amazing. But yeah, someone gave me this lightsaber and it really is like legit metal. It's like, amazing. It's like legit metal and it's the green one. So, you know, it's light, the light side. And uh, maybe that's one of the things we need to discuss. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an elephant in culture right now. Star Wars. Was it good? Was it bad? What did you think about the movie? So we saw the movie. We did. uh, A couple days ago, yesterday, uh, at IMAX. 3D. Which was pretty incredible. What were your thoughts on the movie, Watson? I, I loved it, but I don't know if I liked it more. Than the last one, Force Awakens. Force Awakens. That's a, that's. I've been thinking about it the past few days. I think I like. I think I liked it a little bit more, but wow. I. I don't know. I don't know. I can't. I can't tell. We all know it was better than the prequels, though. We thank definitely. God. And but the CG wasn't. So. <laughs> oh man, that's brutal. Um, so when we were at the IMAX theater, Wanson didn't want to sit with the rest of our staff. Oh, no. We all went together, and uh, and and Wanson and Rob was in the room also together. They didn't want to. Sit with all of us. And we had tickets all together. It was supposed to be a staff morale building yeah. uh, exercise. We walk in and these guys are sitting in the, f- in the middle. Like perfect. H, seat 122. Perfect seats at IMAX. But the problem is that's not what their tickets are. At IMAX, you have assigned seats. Yeah. And so we know that they're going to get kicked out. They're right in the middle of the entire thing. We had bad seats, to be honest. It was, it's true. Yeah, we had rough seats. I asked uh, the pers- person that purchased the tickets, like, why do we have such bad seats? She's like, oh, I just purchased them, like, hours ago. She had a month. She had a month to buy these tickets. So we're just watching Wanson and Rob to see if they're going to get kicked out of their seats. And yep. sure enough, like, these, this one family came in and asked them to move down. It was down. an old Spanish woman with her two grandchildren. It yeah. must have been. She's trying to, and Wanson starts arguing with her <laughs> and starts asking, like, well, show me your ticket. <laughs> what are your I made, seats? I made her show me your ticket. That's <laughs> so funny. And then you go back, you've got your uh, food there. Whatever. Yeah, a minute later, I got back up and made sure it she didn't take my candy. What an experience at IMAX. It was amazing. How much of this do you think they're going to cut from the podcast? You know, I hope none of it, but we'll find out. Star Wars was good. Um, let me ask you this once. What was your most memorable... I'll stop doing that. It's probably annoying people. What was your most memorable... What was your most memorable moment of 2016? Oh, how about this? Awakening. Let's talk Awakening. Okay. What was your most memorable... memorable 2016 awakening moment. My favorite thing that happened this year was when we were in the dunk, 
during Awakening Conference, and we got those amazing light tubes yes. from China. Wow. That's a secret, by Let the way, in, for anybody China. listening. That's Bulk a secret. order. Bulk order. All right. My girl Madeline in China, <laughs> she'll hook you up. <laughs> but that was my favorite thing, man. Having those tubes at conference in the arena with 6,000, that felt like... It felt like something out of this world. It was yeah. an amazing experience. It was a crazy moment. Yeah. Because I, I was preparing, because I was preaching that night, and I didn't know that, uh, like, we thought about the light tubes for the opener. It was amazing. And then we thought about, um, uh, the light tubes were amazing for the opener, but then we were thinking, what was it? If it I was going to be a distraction. Right. During, during worship. During worship and preaching. We, didn't, we only thought about it for the opener and right. praise. Not the other hour and a half yeah, of not, the night. Not worship. Or preaching is so funny. And you had to like instruct kids, yeah. like tur- <laughs> turn them off. About three people listening. Yeah, to me. Put, put, put the light tubes away. But that was a magical moment because yeah. I, I was getting prepared. So I walked in a little bit late during worship and, uh, and I walked into an arena that had thousands of light tubes going on during Oh, Praise the Name, which Amazing. you think wouldn't mix. You're but, wrong. But it, <laughs> it mixed. It was wild. That was a pretty great moment. My favorite moment, I think, was from conference, was actually at the beginning of conference. Uh, we opened the doors, but we were still having like issues with like the, the lines yeah, and getting people I in. Remember. And it was like the very first night of conference, right at the beginning, 20 minutes in, and no one was there. It was like a, a wide open, empty <laughs> arena. And it was like we failed, you yeah. know? And all the guest ministers were up yeah. like in the green room, like consoling me, like, ah, oh, it's gonna be all right. Like, hey, you, you walked out, you like you went by faith and not by sight. Oh man. And it was like, uh, oh man, it just felt terrible. But then uh, something just shifted and thousands of people started crowding in. It was in. amazing. It was an awesome moment. And conference was amazing. So if you went to conference this year, we're very grateful that we got to share that moment Highlights. with you guys. It was the tenth uh, year and it was like it felt like everything culminated. It was yeah. like a beautiful bookend. It was a it was it was amazing this yeah. year, and we still have so much going on. Like we just launched this podcast, we're working on our streaming because uh, we're streaming all the different content from Awakening Conference mm. and uh, our site. Hey, we've got a new website. Tell right. people about the new site. That's right. We actually recently relaunched the whole website, and it's no longer like we don't have a youth website and then a, a website for this and for that. It's all together now. It's the Awakening Movement website, and mm. on there you'll find. Everything and anything having to do with the Awakening Movement. So our podcast is there. Our videos are there. Our live stream comes from there. Our youth stuff is on there. Awakening Worship is on there. Awakening App is on there. Everything Awakening in one place, one website. It's amazing. It's awakeningconference.com. And um, we launched a new collective Right. We used to have the leadershipcollective.org. We, you know, a lot of people sometimes will ask us what we're doing here and you know, leadership stuff. So we put it all on the conference site. So now it's the Awakening Collective, right. and it's right on awakeningconference.com. Yep. And it's got um, uh, all of our, you know, all of our creative content, yeah. leadership uh, blogs and uh, videos, articles. Videos. I think we actually just put a. Do we do we put an opener um, blog on there? We're going to. It's coming. It's coming. Hopefully today. Now that we're saying this, we have to post <laughs> yeah. it. But we, we actually are posting the opener, opening night, the video that, you know, many of us worked on, yeah. but the whole experience. First opener of conference. So that's going to be under the creative part of the collective. Cool. But if you want to watch the opener from Awakening Conference this past year, you can see that on there now. Yes. So there's a lot of stuff on the website. That's good. So the theme for this podcast is revival. We are kind of coming out of, you know, a time where where our, our official theme was a new era, and the theme we were entering into 2017 with was revival and nothing less. But you could see revival really, I don't know, I, I've never been in revival per se, but from the stories I've heard, yeah. conference, and even honestly what's happening in our church right now, yeah. in our youth ministry, yeah. has felt like the stories we've heard right. about revival. And uh, I heard one 
uh, prophet, uh, by the, man by the name of Lou Engle, quite, a, quite an amazing man, started the call. He, he had this phrase where he said, revival, our glorious hope. And it's so true. I know Jesus is our ultimate hope, but yeah. revival, it's like the last thing the church has to cling on to. We need a revival. And if we don't get one, right. um, it's not going to be a good thing. Mm-hmm. We need a freshness to uh, the church right now. Yeah. We need a fresh hope and a fresh zeal, and yeah. a fresh vigor. Uh, and it's, I believe it's got to start with the youth. Yeah. We saw some amazing things happen in Awakening Conference, but I think revival, honestly, mm-hmm. is a lot more than a three-day event. That's right. And I think it's not revival if it's not in the local church. But I've been seeing things happen. It's crazy. It's amazing. Yeah. The one way I've been looking at it, it, it feels right now like our prayers are being answered and our, our prayers for revival, they're starting to come into fruition here a little bit. So true. And we're seeing stuff happen that we didn't see happen years ago. You know? So true. Stuff I've only heard of, I'm starting to see happen in my lifetime, which yeah. is pretty cool. It is awesome. And it's so necessary. We, you know, we do a lot of events yeah. For Awakening One Nights and Awakening Nights Conference, Leadership Collective events. but um, And we pray hard for yeah. all these events. We know that it must be, first and foremost, people ask me, what's the first thing I should do if I'm going to do a conference? Number one, I always say, you better be called yeah. because the price is very high. But number two, you better pray. Forget the creative. Forget the, your it's guest true. speakers. You need to pray and pray and make sure you're called. But yeah. Being that you are, if, if you say you are, make sure you pray doubly and cover the thing in prayer. And we seem to do that a lot with our events. Absolutely. But we've been doing it more and more with our church. Yeah. And sometimes it's easy to take Sunday morning for granted so or your Wednesday night for granted. But the more you pray for it, the more you see these prayers are being answered in a major way. It right. seems like there's an, I don't know, it just seems like an open heaven right, right. now. And I even put on, on my, uh, my social media, I just posted like asking people uh, what they're seeing in their churches and right. the responses. From churches all that. over New England. Did you see those? Yeah, that was awesome. From pastors and leaders where we're seeing people grow yeah. and hearing stories about testimonies and baptisms and salvations and growth that yeah. is almost like explosive one in the church. One guy said his church tripled. Is right? that not amazing? That's in one year. In one year, tripled. tripled. And it's so we're seeing the church grow. That it, it, that seems like revival is entering in. I, yeah. I, I can't speak for the whole nation, right. but I feel yeah. like in the area of the Northeast in New England... Uh, we're seeing a resurgence in the church yeah. that it's we have not era. seen in a long time. It's it is a new era, yeah. and uh, and we're believing that you know something was sparked through conference, but we pray it, it's finished and continues in yeah. churches. Yeah, just a few weeks ago, I met. This is just kind of a cool story within this season that kind of our church is in. I met a young man, and uh, he came to an awakening on Wednesday. Right, got saved, got a Bible, got connected, joined a crew that night, which crews are just our small groups here. Came back the next day because we have team night here, our creative night for all the teams. Came to team night on Thursday, started trying to serve and talking to team leaders and stuff. Then I found out that Sunday he actually got baptized. <laughs> so in one in four days, they could got saved, joined a crew, joined a team, served, came on Sunday and got baptized. It's unbelievable. I mean, that that's the whole goal right there. It's one thing for people to come to church, and we pray people come to church, but it's a whole nother level to see them get connected to the yeah. church. Revival begins when people's lives are changed, and then they begin to walk in that change. It's not just one big uh, service. It's so true. It's changed lives. Yep. And so, you know... All my life I've heard stories about revival, and we've, I've even studied the yeah. past revivals and, and heard about what God did with Wesley Finney and, and mm. heard what God did in, in England and in New England at the time, the first, second Great Awakenings, all these different regions, uh, even the region of New England where they called it the Burned Over District mm. in, in upstate New York where they said that you'll never see another revival. That's where the second Great Awakening happened again. And, 
and uh, you know the Azusa Street. We've heard these powerful stories of God moving in the least likely places yeah. to the least likely people. But I mean, that's how Jesus, even when he arrived, it's least true. likely place to the least likely people. And I'm telling you, we're seeing something in New England. Yeah. And I just want to encourage you, you know, if you're listening and maybe you're from New England or from a church or even a youth ministry that you feel like nothing's happening, if you're faithful long enough, I believe now's the time that God's right. going to begin to answer prayers on a very high level. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but I'm really having a lot of faith for 2017. Yeah. Great faith. I believe revival can begin to break out in the local church in a new way. Yeah. Because God never comes the same way. You're right. He, he's too creative yep. of a God. He's too creator of a God to yep. come the same way. He will not be put in a mathematical formula. He's That's God. Right. And he's going to come in a brand new way. And I'm believing it for 2017 in our youth ministries, in our churches. And I, I'm so grateful for what he began, I believe, uh, in our lives, in mm-hmm. our conference. But uh, revival is far more than a conference. I believe it's coming to the church in the, right. next, in the next year. That's right. So 2017 for us is the year of revival. Absolutely. And nothing less. And nothing less. And so here's this sermon uh, I... I Got the chance to speak. It was the final night of Awakening Conference, and uh, we we actually, before I, I spoke it, we came out of this song, Revival, that yeah. our, our team wrote. What a what a set that was. It was unreal. That was something else. And, and what a moment that they created, and, uh, and I, I think you created a quite a cool moment, actually. Uh, during the song, Revival, we actually paused, and the music continued, oh, and yeah. up on the screens came a Billy Graham sermon. Yeah, yeah. Right? I remember that. And... Uh, and you edited that, right? Yeah, yeah. So t- tell me a little bit about the thinking, why yeah, we even so, did that. So we created, we wanted to create a moment within worship where we could bring preaching, old evangelistic preaching, not that old, 60 years, maybe 50 years, into the into the worship set and, and make the theme work with the song, but with the, the whole uh, session. And so we actually got this old section of Billy Graham's sermon. We cut it up. We found this perfect part where he talks about love and, and the church, and we brought it into this song revival and it came in and it came out the exact right time and what it did was it just created this moment for people while they're in worship reflecting and worshiping God to just hear the word reflect on it and receive it and then worship again out of it and so it was like a one-two punch Absolutely. for that set it was it was powerful it brought it brought the praise up to another level it's one of the few times i've ever seen preaching yeah. within worship maybe yeah. the only time i've ever seen that uh, and it was only 2 or 3 minutes right it was so it was such a unique experience. And so this, this song you're about to hear, that was that song we put the Billy Graham preaching into, yeah. Revival. And then we came out of that, and I preached this sermon. It's quite a long sermon, so actually we only have part one. And we still cut it down. Yeah. It was a very long yeah. sermon. And it was wild. I mean, just, yeah. I mean. It could have been longer. It, it was chaos. could have gone for eight to 12 hours easily. It, it was, was awesome. wild. And it it's got a lot awesome. of worship in it and music and shouting and dancing. And it was, it was just amazing. So if you want to watch the full sermon, you could just go to uh, daystar.com and type in Awakening Conference, right? Daystar.com slash Awakening Conf. Perfect. Slash Awakening Conf. And you can watch not only my sermon, you can watch any of the full sermons from the entire conference and uh, even some of the worship. It's it's all there. It's all there. So check it out. Yep.
sermon today is a new era a new era and I want you to know it's far less of a sermon and I believe it's gonna be a prophetic declaration over every individual every church and over this entire region a new era in the name of Jesus Christ and so Lord we give this final session to you, Lord, knowing that this is not the finality of your work, Lord God. It's not the finality of awakening. It is just the beginning of what you are about to do. And I thank you, Lord, that you are going to do it through the people in this room. The people watching online, you are going to do a mighty work through imperfect people. And we thank you for that, Jesus. We bless you for that, Jesus. And we're ready 
to hear what's next for us. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen. As you sit down, turn to your neighbor and say a new era. I'm going to read one passage from, for, from, uh, from the Bible, and I'm going to tell one story. And um, they said if we wanted, we could go till one o'clock at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. It's up to us, whatever we want to do. Would you open in your Bibles? To the book of Revelations, Revelation chapter 21. We're going to go all the way to the end. If you don't know where it is, literally go to the back of your Bible and turn it one page. Revelation 21. We're going to have it on the screen here. It's a couple verses. This is John He's speaking in, from a revelation. It says this, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. We do not serve a far-off God today. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the older things, they've passed away. And he who is seated on the throne, seated on the throne, has said, Behold, I am making everything new. Behold, I am making all things, all people, all places, all churches new. And he said, Write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I'll give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Let's give it up for the Word of God. Thank you, Jesus. I want to I rewind all the way into the Old Testament, the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. You don't have to turn there because it's going to be almost an entire chapter, but I want to tell you this story, and you, you know it pretty well. But I want to talk to you about the story of David versus Goliath. Now, you might know this story and, and, and think, you know, I've heard it all before, but I believe that God's given me a word to speak to you right now that's going to change this whole region, and it's going to shift something. And if you don't know the story of David and Goliath, I would like to begin at the end of the story. And it goes a little bit like this. The giant falls. The big, bad, scary giant crashes into the ground dead. And I believe Today, a giant is going to fall, and you will hear the thud reverberate through this building and through this region and through this 
nation because the giant cannot stand in the presence of the almighty king. The giant must come down. And it's going to be your praises that brings it down. The giant falls. The beginning of the story, David's dad sends him on a mission. And the mission's pretty simple. It's to bring some cheese and crackers to his older brothers who are out on a battlefield. Really, really simple task to do. Could be pretty easily accomplished by almost anybody. But here's what you need to understand is you are not here by accident in this place tonight, and you are not here on earth by accident. You have been sent by dad with a mission. And you might think that your mission is no big deal, something as simple as bringing cheese and crackers to someone else, but I'm here to tell you the fulfillment of your calling will not be found in the miraculous, but sometimes in the mundane. Listen, listen, an opportunity to kill a giant usually presents itself when you're just serving bread, when you're just serving in the house. When you're just doing whatever dad wants you to do, all of a sudden, he's got something very special around the corner. The opportunity to slay giants usually starts with serving bread. So, so David took the bread to his brothers and he gave it. But the Bible says when he was speaking to his brothers, the Philistines came out and the giant, nine foot nine Goliath, stood up and began to hurl his usual insults, his usual profanities at the people of Israel, the people of God. And now the people of Israel, the, the, the fighters, the brothers, they were used to this. They had literally just tuned Goliath out because they were just so used to the taunts. They accepted them as part of natural life. Forty days, the giant of Goliath stood and called out the sons of God, and there was not a response for 40 days. But the Bible says this, as Goliath gave his usual taunts, David heard it. The end of the story happens right there. Because when a David hears the taunt of a Goliath, something begins to arise on the inside of him which is taller than any giant and mightier than any sword. It's a cause of Christ that says this thing will not stand against my God. See, the problem is you think it's David versus Goliath, but it's not. It's Goliath versus God. And Goliath never stood a chance. So, so David hears the taunts of Goliath and he says something must be done about this. He begins to ask around, hey, what are we doing about this guy? Who's going to take him out? And Eliab, his brother, pulls David aside and he begins to speak negativity over him. Look, Eliab, he represents the voice of inner condemnation that's going to try and come on you and has been trying to come on you your whole life, but especially when you hear a sound, 
Pentecost begins to rise up into your, in your heart, the very first voice you'll hear after that inner voice is the voice of condemnation that tries to rise up and compete with the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. So you'll go home and you'll think, man, I'm changed, I'm different, but all of a sudden this inner voice of condemnation will begin to arise and begin to tell you who you can't be and who you're not and what you should not do. There's two voices on the inside. One is the voice with the cause. It's the Holy Spirit. The other is the voice of Eliab, the brother. The brother, his own flesh, his own DNA. This voice, sometimes it's so close to you, but I'm here to tell you the voice of inner condemnation should hold no authority over you. Should have no sway. He tried to diminish him. Said this, he said, I know who you really are. I know who you really are. I know you went to the conference, and I know you worshiped, and I know you sang, but I know who you really are. I know that you raised your hand, and I know that you gave your life to Jesus Christ, but now you're home, and I know who you really are. It tries to diminish him. It tries to back him down. It tries to get him to shut up, to be quiet. It focuses on who he used to be, not who he's going to be. It focuses on his past position, not his future promise. I know who you really are. Eliab says, you're just a shepherd. What do you do with those few small sheep that you're supposed to be taking care of? But if you know anything about David, that's not true. He's not just a shepherd. And Eliab knows better. Because one chapter before, Eliab was there. When Samuel, the prophet, came, and he was going to anoint Eliab as king, but the Holy Spirit said, I did not choose him. And he kept going, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, until they got to David, number eight. Are there any number eights in the house tonight? And the anointing oil was poured on the number eight. The very last now is going to become first. So Eliab says, you're just a shepherd, but that's not true. The oil is still on his hair. He's the king. And that voice that wants to talk about your past doesn't know what I used to be is gone. It is no longer I who lives. It's Christ who lives in me. I have a new era. Jesus said, God said, I'll take that old, that old heart of stone and I'll replace, replace it with a new heart of flesh and I'll put my spirit in you, my anointing on you. This is who David truly is, is a king. But see, religion, the voice of dead religion, condemnation wants to keep you in your place. Shut up, sit down, don't make any moves, don't embarrass anybody, don't do something crazy, don't sing at the mall, don't believe God for your youth ministry. Back down. No, 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 you gotta be quiet. No, you gotta chill. That's the voice that tries to control you. But you gotta understand that voice is not you. That voice is my brother. You're not me. You might know me. You might have grown up with me. You might know some things about me, but that's not who I am. That's not whose I am. I'm a king. I'm a daughter. I'm a son of a king. I'm anointed for a new era. What I did is not who I am. Who I am is who he has called me to be because what he's done, not what I did. You gotta understand 
Tonight, you're a David. And when a David arises, a Goliath falls. So that little tiny voice was the voice that was passed over. God didn't anoint that voice. That's not the voice of the Holy Spirit. God looked at him and said, I know it looks right, sounds right, feels right, but it ain't right. And he passed over dead religion. And he anointed something real. He anointed the real you. And you say, I'm imperfect. So was David. So was David. Yet he was still anointed. Perfection is not the qualifier for anointing. Jesus is. And Jesus himself is perfection. So David was anointed king. And he says, look, I know you shouldn't even be here. Listen, there's a voice maybe that's been going on even through this whole conference. You're not like them. You're not like them. They know you shouldn't be here. They know what you did even in the break. They know what you did. They can see it in your eyes. I'm telling you, that's not the voice of the Holy Spirit. It's not the voice of God. There might be some voices of depression that says, I know who you are and you shouldn't be here. Well, let me tell you something. Dad sent you. Dad sent you. That little voice got no authority here. Dad sent me on a mission. You are on this planet for a purpose. You are put here for a reason. The Father God sent you. And I'm speaking all over the world through Daystar. I'm telling you, the Father brought you here for a reason. So may depression shut up and may, may that weirdness be silenced and may the oppressive voices fall to the wayside because the Father has sent you for a task and you're called to do it. You are put on this planet for a reason and any other voice that says otherwise is lying. The devil is a liar. We're not gonna give him 10 seconds. He's not worthy of it. The lie is, I know who you are, you shouldn't be here, but the truth is he's number eight. The truth is he's dad sent. The truth is he's an heir to the throne. The truth is he's got the oil on him. The truth is that the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Who David used to be is not the conversation. God's about to thrust him into his future in one moment. And I believe just one moment. Now you might think this maybe wasn't a big significant event. I know it only started with cheese and crackers, but I'm here to tell you that when the Goliath call falls, you are going to be confirmed. Listen, 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 listen. You're anointed privately in the shepherd's field, but, but, but you are confirmed publicly in the battlefield. Your battle... It's not something you can lose because Jesus said, I've already won. So the battle is not win or lose. The battle is what does God want to show the world through me when I win? You are here to be confirmed. You are free. You are forgiven. You are holy. You are called. You do have creativity. Jesus does have something for you. You are not the tail. You are the head. And God has a purpose for you today right now in this place for your future your call you're called not here by accident you have just as much right as anybody else to serve jesus christ because of what he's done for you the new has come 
So the brother goes on, he says, on top of that, I know, I know the wickedness of your heart. You're messed up, man. I know it. I've seen it. I grew up with you. Some of you know the brother, uh, some of you have brothers and sisters, you know all the stuff they screwed up. I know the wickedness of your heart. I remember what you did last summer. But you know what's so amazing? Who gave Eliab this wonderful prophetic gift that he could see the hearts of man? You're lying. All you're doing is lying. The enemy might say, I know what you're doing, but I know what's going on on the inside. No, you don't. The sa Satan doesn't have that authority. Only God has that authority. He knows what's going on, on the inside, and he can shift what's going on on the inside. He said, I know the wickedness of your heart. No, you don't. You know why? Because if he could have really seen David's heart, he would have seen that he's a man after God's own heart. God looked at David's heart and he said, oh, it reminds me of me. I know it's not exactly me, but it worships a little bit like me. It believes a little bit like me. It feels a little bit like me. It has belief a little bit like me. Listen, you have a heart after God's own heart. Don't let anyone or anything or... And his spirit talked you out of that. His heart wasn't wicked. His heart wasn't wicked. There was a cause within his heart that was going to begin to rise, rise, rise. The real problem with Eliab was that, was that his heart was cowardice and David's bravery exposed that. And religion hates it when you expose their cowardice and their laziness. But I'm here to tell you, don't you dare back down from what's in your heart because someone else is trying to back you down. It's too important that you rise up. It's too important that you be number eight. It's too important that you be a David. I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to be brave. And I pray your bravery and your courage agitates other people's cowardice. This is the only way a Goliath falls. And make no mistake, you're here to kill a Goliath. Now you might say, oh, that's for somebody else. It's not. Oh, that's just for Jordan. It's not. You are called to kill a Goliath. And when it falls, go ahead and celebrate because that's why Jesus brought you here. You're number eight. You're David. God says, I love his heart. I love the cause within his heart. Eliab said, all right, fine. On top of all of that, you just came here to see a fight. What fight? David was being nice here. If it was me, I'd pfft. What fight? 40 days, you've put all your hockey pads on or whatever you had for armor. You strapped on your sword. You stood up. They stood in battle formation. They screamed. And when Goliath came out, they all ran away like cowards for 40 days in a row, two times a day. What fight? You're making a lot of noise, but there's no fight here. What fight? What fight? Religion loves it. When you show up, when you gear up, when you put your game face on, when you put your hands in your air, in the air, you make some noise, but you don't actually accomplish anything for the kingdom. That's religion. Line up, make some noise, run away. Line up, make some noise, run away, run away. But every once in a while, God sends a David that says, line up, make some noise, take a step forward. Who's going to run out of Goliath tonight? Goliath's a punk. Take a step forward. See, the only power that Goliath actually had was fear. 
And the moment David ran at him, he took away the only power fear has. Fear only has power if you allow it to back you down. But if you take a run at it, fear is now powerless. Talks about Goliath, right? He has all this chain mail on. And, and, and it it's weighs all this, all this weight, and, and it's got a javelin, and he's got a spear. The Bible talks about it. And he's got a sword, and he's got another dude that just holds a shield, which I don't think is fair. I thought it was supposed to be one-on-one. -on -one. He's got a second guy. He's got all this stuff, but what's so funny is he doesn't get to use any of it. It was all a show. Fear is all a show, and religion is all a show. Have nothing to do with either. Christ is all about reality. Christ is all about action. Christ is all about actually winning a fight. In the end times, the Bible says, people will be lovers of themselves over God. They will have a form of godliness, but they'll deny its power. We'll get together, we'll sing, we'll clap, but we won't do something mighty for the kingdom of God. If we have a form of godliness but deny its power, we might as well be a social club. We might as well be Disney World. I'm telling you, the thing that makes the church the church is the power of the Holy Spirit working through you. I don't want to just look it. I want to take a step forward and watch a Goliath fall. I don't want to just make noise. I want to make movements. David said to his brother, is there not a cause? Is there not a reason for me to begin to ask who's going to take that guy out? Is there not a cause? Why? Because he heard the injustice of Goliath in his ears. See, some of you, you hear something in church that you don't like, or see something in church that you don't like, and you think that gives you license to turn around and start bashing the brothers that have been there. And yes, they've been cowardice. Yes, they've been backing down. But you got to understand, your enemy's never your brother. The enemy's always the demon. The enemy's always Satan. It's not your brother. So your job is not to turn around and berate your brother. Your job is to say, fine then, I'll step up and show you how it's done. You're called. You're called. You're called. You've got a cause. I remember... I was like, I don't know, 15 years old, I was watching this video. It was like a conference, and it was in an arena just like this. And I remember I was watching it, and there was some stuff going on. It was, I'm sure it was good, but it, it was like, man, I, I felt something in me. And it was like almost like a righteous indignation where I just felt, look, and this was my thing. You might feel it for something totally different, but for me it was like, I know I could do this, and I feel like I could do it better. And I know that might sound prideful, but really what it is is saying, I know I could do this, and I feel like God wants me to push this thing forward. Wants me to put, now look, you might not feel that way about a conference, but you might feel that way about something else. I remember one time someone came to me in youth, in youth ministry and he said, I, 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 I'm so sick of the youth ministry because, um, because none of the kids are living it and they're, 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 just, they're just joking around and they're just screw-ups and all that stuff. And I said, you're, you're, you're not understanding. It's not the youth ministry that's bad. It's that you have a calling to be an intercessor to pray for those that don't yet know how to pray for themselves. Stand in the gap. That's what a champion means. Stand in the gap. Remember, I was 15 years old and God told me, 
start a conference. So I began the conference at 16. And you know what's so amazing is that conference, it was a great conference and it had a great time. But this year, it folded. It's no longer going to arenas across the country. It was supposed to be right in our area in a couple months from now. And it folded, closed down, shut, done, over. And just as it closed down from arenas, God brought awakening into an arena. Why? Because he was preparing for the next era of Goliath slayers. You've been in a miracle that's been 10 years in the process. You are not here by accident. God has brought you here to see a giant fall. And I believe he's going to speak to you tonight. He's going to speak a giant that he wants you to kill. Now it might take one year, it might take 10 years, but stay at it because when that giant falls, I pray the thud is heard around the world. Is there not a cause? Do you have a cause rising in your heart? Do you have a cause rising in your heart? Do you feel something deep within you? Be careful who you even speak it to because it's so powerful, it's so mighty. You can't let people's lack of faith or lack of calling have an influence on it. You've just got to go in the shepherd's field and pray about it and prepare for it and put it aside because God's going to begin to build it and at the right moment, unleash it. You have a cause building within you. Bible says that uh, the words that David was asking, the troublemaker, reached the ears of Saul. It's amazing how quickly boldness will fly throughout the camp. The church is still looking for boldness. It still needs boldness. David didn't even say, I'll fight Goliath. He just said, hey, somebody should fight Goliath. And all of a sudden Saul said, hey, somebody's talking about somebody fighting that guy. Could you, could you get him in here, please? Why? Because just a whisper of boldness, just a whisper, just a whisper of courage, just a whisper of a cause begins to change everything. The church needs your whisper of boldness. The church needs your whisper of courage. The church needs your whisper of, I can do this, and why don't you join me? The church has been waiting on you. See, here's the thing. It's not really the fault of the brothers, per se, that Goliath hadn't fallen. They were just waiting for a David to show up. And when he showed up, everything changed. So now David goes from talking with the older brother, and he now begins to talk to the king, King Saul. King Saul kind of represents the voice of the world. It's funny, Saul, he's a logical Okay. Sometimes my dad tells me not to drink Red Bull before I preach. But I'm addicted. I need some help. Can I have the prayer team pray for me over here afterwards? So he shows up in Saul's tent. Saul represents, you know, the, the world. Saul looked good. He was a people's choice. He's who culture absolutely loved. Everybody wanted to be like Saul. He was a great commander, a great king, a great fighter. And he shows up. Look, Saul is a logical choice to kill Goliath. But here's Saul cowering in the corner, greatly afraid. Do you know why? It's because a couple chapters earlier, we find out that the spirit of courage that was on Saul departed him. And now he had a demon that was uh, manifesting on his life. But hear this. When the spirit left Saul, it rushed onto David. 
That's what the Bible says. When it left Saul, it rushed onto David. The Holy Spirit exists for more of a reason than to give you goosebumps and a silent little tear. The Holy Spirit exists to rush on you and give you courage that you might mount up and take something out. The Holy Spirit is rushing today. In Acts chapter 2, the Bible says, like a mighty rushing wind, the Holy Spirit descended on all those who were gathered there. And Paul began to, uh, began to stand up. Peter stood up and preached an unbelievable sermon. Why? Because courage entered into him. The Holy Spirit's going to give you the courage to do what it takes to defeat the Goliath that God set up for you to knock down. You're anointed. Spirit of the Lord departed Saul, but it rushed on David. Why? In preparation of this moment, because it's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. The tall guy couldn't take down Goliath. The strength of Saul couldn't make a dent. But the spirit of God came on David, and something began to change. So Saul says to David, look, you can't fight this guy. He begins to recount all of the great qualities of Goliath. He says, man, this dude's a fighter. This dude's a brute. He's been a fighter since his youth. He's huge. You're tiny. He's a warrior. You're a shepherd. He's an expert. You're an amateur. He just begins to go down the line. He's got armor and you've got a cloak. You can't do this. And it's so amazing what David begins to do. He says, yeah, yeah, yeah. But let me tell you a couple stories. And he begins to recount God's faithfulness previously. Because when you recount God's faithfulness on your life before, it reminds you that he will be faithful again. And when you begin, when you begin to speak... The power of your testimony when you begin to speak about what God has done, the anointing on that moment will rise in the present moment and it will prepare you to conquer the future moments. He says, look, there was a lion. He came after the sheep. See, this is why God could trust David with the sheep of Israel because he could trust him with a few small sheep. There was a lion that came after the sheep and he said, but I went after it and I took it and I beat it, killed it, and I saved the lamb from it. What I'll do to the lion, I'll do to this guy. There was a bear, and when he came after it, I took it, beat it, killed it, dead, over, gone. Revenant style, he's over. I'll do it again. A lion, a bear, and a brute. Here's the interesting thing. Here's the interesting thing. Every day, every day, Goliath came out and he roared like a lion. Every day, Goliath came out and he insulted with all of this bravado like he was a lion. But David wasn't afraid of lions because he's already conquered a lion. Listen, listen, listen. The Bible says that the enemy prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour like. Like. Satan's no lion. He's just loud. Satan might roar like a lion, but he looks like a pipsqueak. He's no lion. He's just loud. But let me tell you, there is a lion. It's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he is the one that has overcome the world. And he has shut the jaws of death over your life. 
You have already defeated the lion. You've already defeated the bear. The brute is next. And I'm telling you, he's going down. And that's all the time we have for now. Make sure you get our next podcast, part two of this sermon. You can subscribe to the podcast. And uh, if you like this podcast, any of these episodes, share it around. Send it to some people. I know there's a lot of good content, a lot of good resources, not only for Christians, but for pastors and youth leaders and uh, a lot of good worship and everything. So subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on social media. We go live a lot, and we, uh, we've got a lot of different videos, a lot of different content. Follow us at Awakening, and make sure you're subscribed to the podcast for part dose. See you soon.